What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Better Golf Podcast. I'm Spencer Aguiar, better known on that X website as T Off Sports. My partner is Nick Brettwish. You can find him at Sticks Picks. That is S T I X P I C K S. And we are glad to be here to t- today to discuss the FedEx St. Jude Championship. If you aren't doing so already, we hope you will consider signing up for Underdog Fantasy, where you can play and hold real money drafts against either friends or random opponents. You can sign up today with the code BGP to get a 100% bonus match of up to $100. Take some of those funds and compete against Nick and I weekly in tournaments where we add to the prize pool and create the best ROI contest on the site. Don't miss out on the fun by drafting with us as Nick breaks my heart every single week by not taking names like Webb Simpson, Alex Noren, or Jason Day. Nick, how are you doing this week, man? And we have an exciting guest to bring on to talk with us. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for this show. I'm not pumped that you brought up Webb Simpson, but I do like that he went back to familiar grounds in North Carolina and tore it up last week. I definitely faded him in every single market. Um, by that, I just didn't get any exposure anywhere. But without further ado, we got Jay Delsing from ESPN's Golf with Jay Delsing and also the Between the Fairways podcast. Uh, real quick before I bring him in, I just want to introduce Jay's background here. Jay was a PGA Tour member for a long, long time and has the course record at TPC Southwind with a 61. I believe it was on a Sunday, but let's bring him in. Jay, how are we doing today? We'll get to that 61 in a minute. Thanks a ton for coming on. I know we did the uh, the Open Championship with the, with you last year. Wish we did it with you this year because we heard you had Brian Harmon. So um, how's everything been going for you? You still playing some golf? What's going on? Doing great, boys. Great to be with you. Congrats on the success. Love the show. Um, yeah, I'm getting ready to play in the Ascension Charity Classic. It's um, uh, in here in St. Louis, the place where I grew up caddying at Norwood Hills Country Club. So we're going to have a great field, um, and I'll play one one spot a year, which is about right for me now. Play once and then retire again. Uh, but uh, yeah, we've um, we're, we're having fun with the shows that we have, and uh, love listening to you guys. Love throwing a couple of dollars here and there at the boys and see if uh, we can have anything stick. And we've been pretty hot lately. Love it. So without, uh, you know, beating around the bush and everything, let's get right into it. The 61, was that on the Sunday round in 1993 at TPC Southwind? It was. It was a Sunday round. I was paired with Willie Wood, who's been a good buddy since we've been 15 years old. And I had just one of these days, guys, where the hole looked gigantic and things were just going in from all over the place. And the funny thing is on the front nine, I, I think I shot 30 or 31 on the front nine and I I made the longest putts I had and missed, you know, some intermediates and a couple of ones that I felt like I should have. But, you know, you still never know. With my game, you never knew what you were going to have until you got in the house. But if 18 had water on it, I usually found it, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was just one of those days, man. I, I made a couple of eagles that day. I I had, you know, just, I don't know. It was one of those days where you just wished it didn't end. Yeah, I can't imagine that, man. A 61, that's nuts. I get happy when I shoot a 78, 79. So to shoot a 61 is absolutely impressive. Were the Eagles on the par fives? Yeah, they were, they were on the par fives. I, I uh, eagled 16, and uh, I think I eagled – oh, no, I think I only had one eagle. But, I hell, I don't know. Like I told you, my age, I don't remember <laughs> what I had for lunch, and that was like three hours ago. So uh, it was just one of those days I, I know that I didn't have often enough. But it's – anytime we go to – I made a hole-in-one – on the 16th hole at Phoenix. And so, you know, how they have the Tiger Woods plaque up there. So I think there's like seven of us on there. And of course, Tiger's on with me is the way I look at it. But all my friends are like, dude, you're (laughs) on with Tiger. 
And then whenever we go to Memphis, I still I still have a couple of course records on tour, and Memphis is one of them. So every once in a while, we, when we go to Memphis or go to Phoenix or go to uh, um, a couple other places, I, my phone gets blown up a little bit. But it's glory days, boys. That was 100 years ago, way before you two guys were born, I'm sure. I was actually one and a half years old. Spencer's a oh, little bit older than me. So we were def- definitely alive. I bet you my dad was probably watching that on TV. So I'm sure I was taking a nap on the couch or something, trying to find the love for golf at that age. Um, but Spencer does our course breakdown, and we were talking about it earlier. We're very heavy on you know proximity from 150 to 200 yards, or uh, yeah, 150 to 200. So those short to mid irons for these PGA guys, you know, strokes gained off the tee, not a whole lot of scrambling we've seen with uh, past success at this venue. You shot the 61. You had boots on the ground. What do you value most about this course and, and how to score at TPC Southwind? Yeah, you're right, boys. It's iron play. I mean, it's uh, there's a couple of drive. There's not a whole lot of drives that pucker you up much, really. Um, with these guys' length, it's almost, boys, it's almost hard for me to even talk to you about how they're going to play some of the some of the sight lines off the tee. You know, all that changes when you have 40 yards to your tee shots. And so um, there's holes where the distance won't matter. 18, for example, with the water. And there's no way, even with the dramatic distance uh, improvements that the guys have on the modern day tour, that 18, you got to place it out there. You got to miss the water. And then the water comes back into play, you know, to the left of the green. So same with um, number three, which is a par five on the front nine. No matter how long you're going to hit it, you got to watch out for the water on the right. You got to kind of thread it through through a, a shoot off the tee. So, um, but it, it, it's going to come down as, as we know, guys. If the guys, if you pick somebody and they don't putt, don't even watch. You know what I mean? It was it was almost, guys, kind of like when I played. If I wasn't going to putt well, I couldn't hit it well enough to. I mean, I could hit it well enough to make the cut. But you're not going to make any money, you know. And and guys, one thing that's interesting from the year-long uh, competitions, fantasies, and stuff, tour players make eighty percent of their money six weeks. It's amazing. So when you're a player, when you're playing well, you can't go, "Oh boy, I'm in tenth place. I hope I stick." It's like foot on the gas, keep making birdies, and um, uh, um, you, you know, because think of it this way, guys: a solo third or a solo second is going to take how many T10s to make up for that difference in money? You know what I mean? Because the tour is so weighted top heavy and top heavily. So you, you need probably three T10s to equal one solo third or even more with, with the money. So when you get, when you get in that position, man, you can't be, you can't hope to stick. You got to keep pushing forward. I love it. No. Um, so what's on the card this week then? Who are you looking at? Oh man, I got to tell you. So I have been really, I have been really loving um, Terrell Hatton over the last like three weeks. Dude, well, I had him in the Open Championship, and my partner had um, Brian Harmon, and we're right there neck and neck on Friday. And Hatton makes a nine on um, number eighteen, and then he wound up making an eight early in the tournament and still finished like fifteen. So he's been playing well. Victor Hovland, Victor Hovland is a great iron player. Um, He's, I don't foresee this as being a runaway 22 under week this week, guys. We haven't had those greens down there once they switched from Bermuda, from bent grass, which was crazy, super soft this time of year because of the excessive heat. They went to this champion's Bermuda that takes less water. They can dry them out a little bit. 
I'm I'm expecting that. I, I don't know exactly what the weather's been like, but if if the if the greens are soft, forget about it, boys. It'll be a it'll be a flat ass shootout out there. But I really like Victor Hovland. Um, obviously, the heater that Scotty Shefford been on, all those guys are favorites or or are um, are, are guys to consider. But my dark horse pick this week, uh, the name itself isn't a dark horse pick, but he's 57th and needs to move up is Hideki Matsuyama. There's another great iron player. He's won at this venue. And boys, remember, horses for courses. There are certain times when you pull in the parking lot as a tour player, you're like, I can't wait to get out of this place, man. And so uh, Hideki is so much, usually relies on how he putts. But man, the guy can put on a stripe show out there. Spencer, got any thoughts about Hideki? I know uh, your numbers seem to really like him on a buy low spot. And like you said, Jay, 57th in the FedEx Cup uh, points here is going to need to have a really good weekend to get uh, really close to where I live at Olympia Fields next week for the BMW. I think that'll be a ton of fun. That place is going to play very hard from what I'm hearing from the locals. Uh, would love to see Hideki there, but yes, I, I think that uh, Spencer and I both could not agree more with you on Hideki Matsuyama here. Spencer, what do you what do you got for Hideki? Yeah, I think this is a really nice buy low spot for Hideki here. He grades seventh in this field in my model for projected tee to green scoring at TPC Southwind. As Jay said, the putter does have some massive concerns, uh, but it is worth noting that he jumps to twenty first in my model with that portion of his game. When you add in this overabundance of opportunities that my data does believe that he's going to create compared to the field, you obviously get this weird dynamic that comes into play because it is a no-cut tournament this season. Um, but I think Hideki has that pristine skill set that you're looking for. And, and as I said, it comes down to what Jay talks about. Like As far as Hideki can move himself up the leaderboard will be how many putts does he make at the end of the day. I love the ball striking that he brings to this venue. I think if he makes putts, he can actually win this tournament and... Uh, it is one of those spots where he is going to need a big finish to keep the season going. Guys, what anybody? The, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Jay. Sorry, sorry to jump in there, but guys, one of the things to, to note again, there are certain holes where the guys are going to be hitting much less than driver because it's not, of course, it's going to favor the guy that bombs it. It's just not. The 17th hole comes to mind in the 18th hole because there's runouts. The third hole, there's runouts, you know? So these guys are, you know, probably most of the field's going to be hitting less than driver on some of those holes and, and try to get in more position. And if they do, which they're much more likely to hit those fairways guys with those with those three medals and stuff, then it's going to go right down to the guys that can strike their irons and hit them. And one of the things I love about Hideki is he hits the ball super, super high. We usually don't get too much wind down at Memphis, and a lot of those greens are shallow. So I, 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 I like Hideki for that for that reason. Yeah, I think the uh, the data would agree with you, too. That distance really does not matter a whole lot here. I mean, Abraham Answer won the tournament back in 2021 and was damn near last in the field in driving distance, but hit a ton of fairways, gained uh, number six in the field in ball striking. That iron play was absolutely fantastic. And like you said, Jay, needed to roll the rock to score here. Those putters, if they're hot, those are guys that we're looking for. Is there anybody else that's on your card outside of Hovland, Hideki, and uh, who's the other guy you mentioned first? Tyrell oh, Hatton. Uh, Tyrell Hatton. Yeah, and that is a guy that is just in extreme ball striking form. And I remember watching that nine on 18 at the Open Championship. He just starts laughing as he sprays it off the tee. I think he goes right twice and does the old overcorrect <laughs> snap hook to the left. I'm not going right anymore. I've been there. 
you knew the third ball was going anywhere but right. You know, yep. you, you know what else is fun about Terrell guys is that he's like a comic. He's he's funny as hell. He's self-deprecating, and you don't need a, wa- a guy on the ground to tell you what's going on. Just watch him. He's gonna, you know, be so demonstrative. Um, there were a couple other guys. Guys, Lucas Glover is a ball striking machine. He besides that, he's a really good buddy of mine. I pull for him every single week. But moving to this putter, I, I still don't like the way his stroke looks, but moving to his putter, and look what's happened. Look what's happened. And guys, there's another thing. When you can sprinkle some magic dust or a little confidence on on great players, man, I don't know. Lucas is Lucas is a good he's gotta be a good, a good um a good buy now. We also were looking at Seb Straka a little bit. And again, you, uh, Spence, you do this stuff much more scientifically. My partner, Danny Mack and I, we're throwing stuff at the wall, you know, and who, who we get these vibes from and who do we, who, who we like and things like that. But, um, Seb Straka for some reason popped up there too, but I, I would, I would take a look at, um, at my buddy, Lucas Glover. He's, he's a major champion. He's playing great. He's motivated as hell. Uh, and, and, and there's not a better guy out there. Yeah, I think Glover right now is one of the hottest players in the world. That's an understatement for a guy that just won last week. But uh, I I love him in specific matchups out there. I've talked about him versus Lee Hodges as a name to keep in mind. I I think Glover's ball striking ability, he can make a couple putts here. It's a really good setup for him. And then just to touch on the Straka answer, because I thought it was interesting inside of my model. Uh, Straka graded number one for opportunities created. So that would be with his approach play. And then added to the ability to make the putt. So uh, number one in this field in that category kind of gives you that upside answer that you're looking for of if it's not going to be one of these, you know, top 10 names in the world that wins. Maybe a guy like Straka can get himself across the winner's circle again in a very short time period. It wouldn't surprise me at all, guys. I mean, there's a guy that's quietly been just creeping up the world rankings. He wants, he's, he's motivated as well, guys, to get on that Euro rider. Upside. Guys, think about this. Who the hell are the Euros going to field? I mean, we're not going to know half their team. I, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting. I wonder if Thomas Dietrich is going to make the team now. That's a guy that uh, Spencer and I seem so. to always talk about <laughs> not yeah. making the team. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. I know. No, I, 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 I agree with that. I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Ludwig Aberg. Um, I mean, obviously that's putting a youngster on right away. I do think he has the skill set and you might want to get him started early. I, I would hope that they put Straka on the team. I, I feel like the victory of his was enough, but yeah, I mean, those last couple names, if you're looking for them to fill out this lineup here, uh, it's going to be intriguing to see what they do. All right, Jay. Last couple questions for you. If you had to choose one out of the studs, all the guys at the sports books that are sub 10 to one, the win, that is going to be your trio of Scotty Rory or John Rahm starting to find his game again after the open championship. Who would you go with? Ooh, man. I, my personal favorite in there, just from a personal standpoint is Rory. I love with all the damn turmoil guys and all this live crap. And I just love how Rory's handled it. He stood up. He, 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 he led the way. Now we got Tiger going on the board and all this other stuff. So Rory's kind of taking a back seat, which I think he's personally much more comfortable with. 
he just seems to get so close and then not swing the head of that putter enough, and this putt's just barely missed. I'm going to take Scheffler only because I figure he can't keep putting this poorly, right? I mean, guys, the heater that he went on, what did he do? 18 events finishing no worse than T12? Or yeah. something crazy like that. Spencer, I know you guys are the stat guys. I, I On my show, I'm like, I, I remember when Mickelson won, uh, I don't, was it the PGN and said he won his 48th or 47th time or whatever. And on my show, we just try to get close. You know, that's what, and I got so many emails. I'm like, listen, nobody gives a damn if Phil's won 48 or 49 other than <laughs> we don't care. He's won a bunch. We know he's won a bunch. Who cares? So we got to get close with the stats. And I, I need to come to guys like you. So to get take you, you two out to, to tell us what's really going on. Well, I mean, the thing I'll say about Scheffler is, like, I don't even think it's hyperbole at this point. The the tee to green statistics that he's putting together, I mean, they're Tiger Woods-esque this season. If he had any semblance of a putter, I really think we're looking at a handful of victories. Maybe he could have won multiple majors this year. It's unfortunate that the putter went as ice cold as it did in uh, at a ball-striking course like TPC Southwind, it's hard to bet against him here. If the putter can turn around, maybe Bermuda switching back to that surface, maybe that's what he needs to get back on track again. But one of these contests, and I, I guess for him, he obviously hopes it happens during the playoff run here. Uh, if he can get the putter hot again, I, I do think a win is around the corner, obviously. Guys, one of the things that impresses me so much about what Chef's doing is that his – Spencer, you mentioned Tiger Woods – I don't know if I've seen a guy with higher compete level than Scheffler, than Tiger himself. This is a guy, he's balling all day long, not giving up on anything. It is so hard to do, guys, when you're hitting the ball like he is and not converting. You know how quickly for the mo for the rest of us that feeds through the rest of your game, next thing you know, you're hooking and slicing everything. He has maintained this for so long. It's just been a impressive what i'm waiting for is to some sort of feel to click in with him with his putter and he run the table I, I'm, I'm waiting for that and to your point spencer maybe it's these last three events yeah he hasn't finished worse than 23rd if we want to stretch the data out a little further since october of last year so that kind of shows what scheffler has been producing here for the last uh 10 to 11 months for whatever it's worth guys he was spotted today in the practice round with a tailor-made spider. So maybe the change in putter, it's not going to be the anchor style that uh, that Lucas Glover brought out, but so great to see him win, like you said, Jay. We see, I've never met him, never talked to him, but you could just see during that interview with his family, his kids running up to him. Um, my wife really doesn't like to watch golf. She likes to watch the celebration of the winners to like see the people. She's like, all right, I really like him. She loved Finau from the uh wearing, you know, all of these <laughs> exactly, exactly. She she saw uh Lucas's daughter just run up crying in happiness, and and my wife absolutely loved that. And I, that was probably one of the coolest like post-game wins that I've seen this year, just to see a guy like that, just a normal family man grinding it out. And he talked about his struggles too with the putter. He said his game starts and ends with the putter, and because he is such a good ball striker, like you mentioned. But, yeah, Scotty is practicing with a, uh, a tailor-made spider, so maybe he makes a change this week, and maybe that's what kicks him over the edge to start just tearing up the FedEx Cup playoffs here. Guys, my good buddy Steve Pay, to played four years of college golf with him 100 years ago at UCLA. He would win a tournament on the PGA Tour and walk into the golf shop 
wherever we were playing and grab whatever putter looked the best to him. And I'd go play a practice run with him. Here's the guy. He just won the last event. He'd have 23 clubs in his bag. His caddy could hardly <laughs> carry this thing around there. And he'd have five different putters. And I haven't changed putters in 15 years. You know, and I'm like, dude, this one's got the price tag on it. This got the SKU code. I'm like, dude, what? He's like, I just like, I don't know. Sometimes these things, I lose a feel and I just want to do something else. And I'm like, man, I, I guess I'm just kind of grind through it. I lose the feel all the time. and don't even know I have lost it, you know? So I love, I love it. Sometimes a different look, guys, is all you need. Yeah. I love it. Well, Jay, thanks a ton for everything. We greatly appreciate you having me on and all the listeners out there. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, check out Jay at Beyond the Fairways podcast and also Golf with Jay Delsing on ESPN. Jay, anything else, anywhere else we could find you and check you out? Uh, no, guys, I don't like social media that much. I'm, in, I'm old. Fair. I, I uh, Just just uh, Beyond the Fairways and Golf with Jay Delsing. And your show is great. I can't can't wait to see how we do. And I got to get you guys on our show and uh, and and talk a little bit about what you're doing and uh, and get some of my listeners uh, to start uh, to, to start betting with you and listening to all the great stats that you guys have. Yeah, well, we greatly appreciate it. And good luck at Ascension this year. Right on. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Take care. All right. That was Jay Delsing. He's awesome. I mean, that is, that is such such a cool guy to talk to. Has so many great experiences. Knows Lucas Glover personally. Like, it's so cool to to talk to guys that have actually been there and done that. Uh, Spencer, what are your thoughts? I mean, there's very few people out there, which is, I guess, what makes Jay so good at his job, who tell a story as riveting as he does. Every single time that he has something, he, know, he knows these players personally. He's telling stories with knowledge in the background of it, but he's a very good storyteller. Um, so it's always a pleasure having him on. Yeah, talking about his buddy carrying 23 clubs, and he said the caddy could barely hold the bag up. Like I could kind of feel holding my myself holding a heavy bag, and that's it just tells a story so much better than any of us ever could. So shout and out I'm, to Jay. And I'm like Jay with that. Like if I think I have found something, and I'm not an avid golfer, so I'm just saying this answer as any spectrum of whatever it is that I'm doing. If I think I found something, I don't like change. I don't like to make change. Uh, I would be taking that putter and framing it on my wall and like keeping it protected until I used it next time. So uh, <laughs> while the thought process of certain golfers that are just, you know, temperamental, I guess, from start to start or round to round with it. Yeah, no doubt. So let's get into the card real quick. Um, I'll just run through mine, Spencer. Um, very light card. I think that again, with the no cut event, I'll let you kind of get into like what you're looking for, how you built your card. Uh, again, with no cut event, I know it's a lot more volatility if you want to call it that just because everybody's guaranteed four rounds. We have seen multiple people. We just heard from one that shot a 61 at this course. Um, you know, Sanjay, I think at a round of 63 last, last year, I believe it was right. He tore it up one of those days, if I remember correctly. And obviously, Will Zalatoris came flying after a very slow start on day one. But I took the volatility and the upside of Jordan Spieth at 40 to 1, Russell Henley at 50 to 1. Everybody's talking about a ball striker's course. I know he let us down um, a little bit last week at the bogey, bogey, bogey finish, but his putting has actually been fantastic this year, especially on Bermuda. Siwoo Kim, arguably my most exposed play this week. And we talked a lot about it last week, like Thomas Dietrich placement market was going to make or break my card. 
Uh, he did sneak into the top 40, I think, with ease. I think he finished inside the top 20, if I remember correctly. I'm um, going to push Cam Davis, a guy gaining strokes in all facets of the game over his last eight rounds at 80 to 1 as well. Siwoo Kim, top 30 at plus 110. My numbers had that at minus 130, so 40 points of value on Siwoo in the top 30 market. And I'm going to ride Andrew Putnam. Uh, did finish T5 here last year. Was not nearly in the ball striking shape this time last year than he is this time this year. The guy's just playing golf, and he's playing in loaded fields and competing. So I'm going to go Andrew Putnam, top 30 at plus 160. What are your favorite plays here? And then let's get into some underdog. They have a great tournament this week. It is actually for the longevity of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Ten roster spots. True best ball underdog. I think this one will be a lot of fun. We could do it. We'll definitely do a uh, showdown draft too. We'll share with you guys. Shout out to Ryan, the Fantasy Bunker, a great follow on Twitter. Let me find his handle real quick. It is just at Fantasy Bunker. He kicked our ass last week. We finished third, which was one spot out of the money, but I think he won by like twenty something points, right behind uh, Mincat. Or would have been different homie. if you would have taken Webb. I, I know. I thought you were saying that to be facetious, but. Little did we know, Webb came out slinging last week and was free on underdog. You could have got him in the last round in any draft, and I didn't draft him. I think he was literally like less than 1% draft. I think just the upside lineups in those tournaments had Webb Simpson. But that's a story from another day. Webb's not in the FedEx Cup playoffs, so we won't talk about him until well into the football season, which is – Music to my ears. But what are we looking at this week, Spencer? And uh, how are you attacking the live market as well? As I know, you certainly have some angles on that. So I, I want to ask you a question, Nick, before I get into my card and talking about this. Because I, I do think it's a conversation that needs to be had. And, and I think for people like you and I, it's a conversation that is going to be very important moving forward. And we talked about it a little bit for this specific contest with there being only 70 players and there being a no cut. I think that massively hurts matchups for me. Uh, a lot of the edge that I've always had is the ability to find miscut equity in these bets. If you look at my card last week, I go 5-0 and on head-to-heads. Majority of them were not that great on the surface if you just look at who I grabbed. But, you know, the opponents that I was taking on finished 150th place and I was able to end those bets by Friday afternoon. Naturally, based off of that answer, my win rate has to go down right. when I'm losing my biggest edge there. When we look at a lot of these events next season, and I, I guess moving forward for the duration of time here, not having cuts and having smaller fields, what are you going to do from a handicapping perspective? Or how are you going to change how you're building your cards? Because I do think it makes it more difficult for specifically people like you and I. Like I could give the same answer for you in the placement market of top 40 bets. You're going to lose that ability what is your plan as of right now? You're on mute, Nick. My bad there. Let me cut that. 27. So for this week, it's probably the last week I'm going to have any placement wagers um, with Siwoo and Putnam inside the top 30. Obviously, there's no top 40 marketer. If there is, I believe maybe a couple shops have it. Um, but it's just, you know, you're literally laying significant amount of juice. I'm just not going to do that. Um, for me, I think it's, I'm going to shift more towards the live betting. And cause that's just something I've been relatively good at this year, especially when like I'll build my numbers, my stats, everything I want to bake in 
and kind of do like the expected stats that I like to do with my numbers and more like predictability. I'll have that set pre-tournament. And then I really like to see the data as it comes in, like in round one. So let's say like, I don't know, I, I don't want to pick on him, but I got his page right now up is Lucas Glover. Let's say he gains like three strokes putting in round one and the ball striking is just lights out. I'll certainly think that that's going to regress to the mean in terms of the putting. So like for showdown sites, stuff like that, like that's where I'm going to fade spots like that. Guys that are overperforming in places that they don't usually do well. But if it's guys like Russell Henley, who I believe putts significantly better on Bermuda greens, he's a Georgia bulldog, I believe too. Like that's what they're used to playing and his approach plays a little slow off the gate. Like that's a guy I'm certainly okay with betting, you know, a placement market on live. Cause I already have an outright ticket, but if he gets to like, two and a half, three to one to finish inside the top 20, which you definitely can't get that number right now. But if he's just a little slow with the ball striking, I feel like those are the spots that I want to attack in matchups in similar situations where guys were outperforming where my numbers have them. I kind of want to take them assuming the matchups, right? It's not like you can name your price um, and name your matchup, but that's kind of what I look forward to at these FedEx cup playoff events and these small field events. But personally, I do not bet a whole lot at all. Like I have 2.1 units at risk this week. I'll probably be even less than that next week. And the week after that is the yeah. fields start to shrink and we get that goofy FedEx cup style playoffs in the championship with the point system there in the starting strokes. But um, it's for me, it's more of just the live market and trying to find matchups against guys that are over or over performing and guys that are underperforming in certain metrics that I believe that should come back to the mean. Yeah, I, I think moving forward, unfortunately, I'm probably going to have less exposure in a lot of these pre-tournament perspectives from it. I, I'm also going, I mean, to me, in-tournament matchups are already a very big part of my game. Kind of goes to what Nick was just talking about, to where I'm always trying to find the player that overproduced and is going to regress back. Like, I, I'm trying to find fade candidates. And whether that's from an entire tournament or we're just talking about over one round. I mean, that's going to be something that we're still going to be able to attack. One of the concerns would be that because you're getting quote unquote, all the best players in the world in these events, you're going to have less of a margin to be had. Like you're not going to be able to find some of these massive differences of a player that, you know, I think Alex Smalley was a really good example of this at the beginning of the year where markets didn't respect what Smalley was putting together. And every single week he was producing top 40 results in these events. And I just kept jumping on him over and over and over again, whether that be in in-tournament bets or from placement wagers. And I think things like that are going to be kind of sucked dry, which is the unfortunate movement that's taking place um, for me. And it will get into my card a little bit from head to head answers, specifically talking about full tournaments here. Volatility and who I want to take on is still going to matter and that's going to be players like Lee Hodges or Jordan Spieth that I'm trying to get exposure to uh, by backing players against them. But I'm also looking to try to now grab players against them that I believe have a little bit more upside because uh, that safety that always won at the end of the day by getting somebody not getting through to the weekend is going to be gone from a full tournament betting perspective here. So, you know, I don't want to get caught on the weekend on these players that spiral out of control necessarily or, you know, Spieth is a good example of this to where I think he's really boom or bust. So I want to put him against the golfer to where I give myself a little bit more upside potential. And that would be as a Tony Finau here at plus one Oh five. I know the ball striking isn't necessarily what people want to see entering this tournament, but the high end metrics look good for him. So when I kind of have this hodgepodge return on speed 
And I have this boomer bust nature with Finau, but it also has like a steadier profile built into the mix here. It's going to be a lot of that. I, I don't expect to hit 60% winners like I did through 900 or 1,000 bets or whatever we're at right now. Obviously, I'm very selective on the picks that I'm giving out. And it has created a percentage that is not really... I mean, if you tell most people that somebody has picked 60% plus through 1,000 plus wagers, you'd be like, that's impossible. Well... I'm very select in what I'm releasing in the market here. Like I'm giving one play a day of the biggest edge that I have on the board. A lot of that's going to go down. I don't know what the true win rate's going to be now. I think that's something that we're going to find as these next couple of months go on and we stretch into next year. But I talked about Finau plus 105 over Jordan Spieth. I did take Lucas Glover minus 110 over Lee Hodges. Um, I pretty much agreed with what Jay said. Like obviously he's going to have to make putts here, but Hodges had this boom or bust nature inside of my model that saw him fall to the bottom five of expected T to green producers, producers and weighted scores. I just don't think he can find enough scorable opportunities to allow for that error that's going to come into play. I know he's been good recently by winning an event. I know he's been good at this event with a top 15 finish, but those are also answers that we could give to Glover. So if you're saying that both of these guys have gotten inflated in their potential or in the perception around them, I think Hodges has reached a point that's a little bit more inflated than what Glover has. I kind of trust Glover's ball striking uh, at a tournament like this. I'm not right on John Rahm at nine and a half to one. Uh, Nick, as you know, I don't normally dip into single digit wagers when talking about outrights here. I think one of the notes to that is there's only 70 players. Some of the projected win equity does change based off of that. I thought nine and a half to one was actually a pretty intriguing price for him. My model had him as the favorite. I took Tom Kim at 50 to one. Um, very close margins between him and Cameron Young. Uh, Cameron Young's been drifting up the board. I see him at 45 to one now. If I got another crack at this. I would have considered Cam Young on this card maybe instead of Tom Kim, just with all the injury concerns that have come into play with Kim here. But uh, it's going to be Rom and Kim for me there. And then I do have placement bets in the market. Um, Hideki Matsuyama, 28th or better, kind of goes to what Jay was talking about. And then Jordan Spieth, 25th or worse. That opened at 22nd or worse. Don't love it as much at 25th or worse. These are going to be very small wagers for me. 0.24 units to win 0.2. Uh, kind of shows my disdain for this card in general, but uh, the majority of my exposure will come in those matchups that are one unit to win 1.05 on Finau and then 1.1 to win one on Glover. Love it. All right. You want to give this a shot on this underdog PGA 2023 FedEx Cup playoffs tournament. So what it is, you roster 10 people. Obviously, your best six for the next three tournaments will, you know, hopefully you get at least six guys in at uh, East Lake. It's going to be tough, especially in these um, pool sizes here. But every draft will only have six people. So only 60 people will be drafted. There are other different, you know, other contests. You could just do a six man. You could do the actual GPP, which is the Pup Cup. I did a couple entries in the there a couple weeks ago, thinking Keith Mitchell, uh, and not, I'm sorry, not Keith Mitchell. Who did I draft a ton of? I'm a dumbass and did this. Who was I very high on? I'm sorry. Oh, Adam Scott. For some yeah, reason, I have a lot, yeah. a, a lot of exposure to because he was going in like the last round. I was like, well, the FedEx Cup playoff points look like he should be in. And I don't think I didn't get there with Billy Horschel. I knew I was kind of a long way away there. 
And I was hoping Davis Thompson snuck in because I was like, in the GPP, is like, no one's ever going to play him if he could make it to 70. I don't mind TPC Southwind for a guy like Davis Thompson, especially when it's a no-cut event. Like, that's certainly a guy that I think could, you know, shoot a 72 and then go shoot a 64 the next day. So I kind of shot myself in the foot there. Um, but if you were playing earlier, certainly had an edge if you drafted guys like, you know, Vincent Norman, st- things like that, Sam Stevens, who sneak in, Stephen Yeager, Cam Davis guys that were kind of outside looking in but let's get into this player pool i mean for the most part just looking at it it looks like everybody's gonna draft pretty much straight in line with fedex cup playoff points the only difference is a couple guys like hideki who's what is he 57th as jay just said is going 32nd off the board and then let's see who's going in like that 60th range. The guys that are going like last, like obviously some of this data skewed. Billy Horschel was going 60. So people were thinking he was going to make it for some reason. The field was drafting Brooks Kepka. Um, I don't know. Like, again, there is an edge to be had here. Adam Scott's right there at 58. I am guilty to that. But in terms of like guys going very late that could make a run, there's three that I like a ton and their ADPs right now are 50. 51 and pretty much 52. So three guys in a row. I like Steven Yeager. I think that this is a decent course for him. Has always been pretty good on Bermuda greens in terms of his shaky putting. I believe in Thomas Dietrich. Um, I'll let you talk about these guys in a minute. And Cam Davis, again, I, you know, I took him at 80 to one outright. I think his game is coming in the right direction. And certainly at a no cut event at a course that, you know, like Jay said, if it's a little wet, it could be a birdie fest. If it's going to be dry, it's going to be hell. But Cameron Davis's game is coming around at the right time. What are your thoughts on kind of these last round picks, if you will, in Steven Yeager, Thomas Dietrich, and Cam Davis? So I, I am just building numbers for this right now. Like I started minutes before we went on air, and I've been building as we've been discussing and having this conversation. I guess my one concern with all those guys, and the thing is if you hit on them and they do continue to progress there's a lot to like and and as one of your maybe your last pick in in a lot of these spots you can take some shots here i would worry ever so slightly to where you do reach an area with some of these names eventually to where they have very little equity to make it to east lake i think guys like and once we get past like i I would want to have some clarity to where I have enough players that I can come close to setting a lineup and then start setting or taking my shots for best ball on the Jaegers and the Cameron Davises. And I want it to be players that I like specifically for this tournament, because if you're already on the outside looking in and you don't produce this week, well, then you're just out. So, I mean, that's going to take certain players like, see if I can find a good example here. Um, Lee Hodges. Like a Lee Hodges, what what is he right now, FedEx Cup wise? Thirty fifth. So, I mean, I guess he's close, but yeah, I mean, like a player like him, I would expect more so than not to maybe progress the other way with it. But um, I I don't know, Nick. It's a very difficult question. Like I think for me, if I'm looking for the back end of a filler to try to figure out who do I want to throw into a lineup, uh, one I will say this: guys like. Not saying I like them this week, but they have a little bit more wiggle room. A guy like Nick Taylor at least is already in right now and is going later. So you might be able to grab him as like, 
I see an ADP of like the 28th player off the board. Yeah, no you doubt. Get him as your, you know, depending on if I think you said they're they're six man drafts. Yeah, well, they're for the GPP, it's six man and ten people, so that's kind of you know it's going to turn to absolute hell once you get to the the final rounds there. But you could do a three person draft, two person, four person. So many different options out there. And again, it's this is all new to us too. So it's I don't think there's like a tried and true strategy, especially next year. It sounds like you know we've been taught very vocal the underdog we want full weekend tournaments for standard PGA events. So hopefully we get that next year. I think that will be awesome. But the actual best ball, like for maybe there's like a majors only best ball, like that'd be pretty cool. Just things like that. So the, the sky's kind of the limit on, you know, tournaments that they could do, but the formula to win, I like, I don't know. I feel like it's still kind of tried and true. I mean, I think it obviously not tried and not true. I should say the opposite of what I'm saying is what I'm saying. Yeah, and, and I and I think it comes down to it depends on how many people you're playing against because if the contests become more on the sixth than the you know heads up sort of contest here, like obviously other players will enter the mix here. But um, I think there are golfers right now: Sepp Straka, Brian Harmon, Keegan Bradley, Tom Kim, um, Siwoo Kim. Like these are all players that I somewhat like this week that are already inside of the top 30 for East Lake at this point that I kind of like to hold their standing position. And look, these tournaments are worth more. It doesn't take much. One big result's going to skyrocket you up this board. So if there is somebody you like, obviously it makes a difference. But, you know, those are the types of names that I'm going to be trying to draft as, you know, the third, the fourth, the second, depending on exactly what we're talking about here and depending on how many people there are into these drafts just because I know there's a general safety that I'm going to have that I like them this week. And I think that they're going to make the FedEx cup playoffs. I think on the reverse end of that answer, there are so many guys right now that are fringe in uh, that my model doesn't necessarily like, and I kind of think they're being overdrafted. Like that would be a player like Matthew Fitzpatrick. It would be a player like, Jordan Spieth. I know I'm lower on him uh, than you are. I know. Um, it's just I trust. I don't trust him. I'm betting a, a number grab at a you know a volatile market in the outright, and that's it. And it's different as an outright bet because you're getting some of that upside mix. And and the thing is, if Jordan Spieth wins, now we're having a completely different conversation here as a 17.2 ADP if he can work his way in. But I mean, those are two golfers right now. Spieth is 31st in the FedEx Cup standings. Fitzpatrick's 36th. I wouldn't promise that those two guys make it to East Lake. Like you might, if you're taking them inside, and I mean, we'll just call Fitzpatrick inside the top 20, he's 21.2. You're taking them as top 20 picks and they don't get to East Lake. It's going to be very difficult to win when you're already forfeiting value there. So I, I would be cautious of players like that in my drafts. I would rather take my upside shots on the names like, you know, yes, we can say Jaeger is being overdrafted or yes, we can say Cameron Davis is being overdrafted, but they're being overdrafted for good reason, because if they can qualify, they have the upside to actually produce and you don't have to take them. As you said, Cameron Davis, 52.5, Steven Jaeger, 50.2. You're getting them so deep into the draft as one of your last players into the mix here that you're not necessarily, you know, taking them as your second or third man off the board. There's a big difference there to be had. Like the upside comes into play much better for the names that you've talked about. 
Love it. Yeah. So, all right, you're going to help me draft this one when we do the uh, the listener league. We'll do a, a six man, and we could probably get, I don't know, a fifty to a hundred dollar bonus since it's going to be a three week event. Um, let's try to get a hundred dollar bonus to the winner, and maybe a little bit extra to second as well, because it's kind of like the end of the PGA season. But real quick. For the round one contest, let me know if you could see that. Let's go through the top. We'll go in groups of 10 for ADP. Give me one you love and one you're fading. So the top 10, obviously, are going to be Scotty Scheffler, John Ron Rory, Victor Hovland, Cantlay going fifth off the board, Xander, Ricky going pretty early so far on this round one slate, Wyndham Clark, and Kyle Morikawa. Who's your favorite play out of those guys? I'm going to go with John Rahm for me, and I think you're probably going to be the same. I would take John Rahm, and I don't have – I mean, I see the ADPs in front of me right now on the screen if you're listening to this. I don't have this built into my model right now, so I'm very – We're doing quickly, it live. Yeah, we're, we. this is truly a live show right now. I, I'm back testing these as these are coming up on the screen. But uh, like, Just would, give me your gut picks. No math. Give me a just degenerate. But, this is my guy. Uh, so not me, Nick. Um, <laughs> I know, you hate it. <laughs> I, I, I hate this more than you even know with it. Um, I, I would take, and this is a surprising, surprising answer. I would take John Rom first overall. Love it. So, so would I. Yeah, I, I really like Rom this weekend. I will say, and I wish his ADP was not fifth off the board. I think this is a very nice spot for Patrick Cantlay. Um, I, I'm surprised he's going off as early as he is, but I think it's warranted there. I think as a fade from that group, I mean, I kind of sort of like everybody, if I'm being honest. Like, I guess Wyndham Clark would grade the lowest for me of any of those names. Feels like an early ADP for him, but the safety numbers in my model do like him. I just, I don't know. I, I would rather have Hatton than Clark. I would rather have Homa than Clark. I would, I mean, I could, I think the argument becomes, and I really like Finau, but he's more in that Finau range to me just because Finau's so boomer bust. But uh, I like Finau this week also from an answer of when I think he pops, he could pop in a big way on any given day here. Yeah, I think you talked me into Finau. Um, That's someone I'm certainly going to be very interested in. And in all terms of DFS, I don't think many guys are going to get to him. Like right here, he's going 15th off the board. So if we go 10 and below, we'll start with Tyrrell Haddon, Homa, Spieth, Finau, Fleetwood. Ryan Harmon getting up there. Russell Henley, Sam Burns, Jason Day, and Tom Kim. I think my favorite play out of those guys is going to be Max Homa. Honorable mention Tony Finau. Believe it or not, I, I, don't, I can't fade Brian Harmon. I think I would fade... I think I'd fade Jason Day. I'm sorry, man. I know you're going to fade Spieth. Yeah, I mean, I'm good. But I, I think I would fade Jason Day. I understand it with Jason Day. My, what is he? What number is he going off the board? Off the board right now, he is going 18th. Okay, I mean, I think that that's. I think it's a very similar answer that I kind of gave with Horschel last week, where it seems fair to me. I don't think he's egregiously going off the board way too early. Uh, I like Fleetwood. I think that that's a fine ADP that you can get on him there. Um, what were the names above Fleetwood there? Above Fleety, Fina, we got... Finau. Finau would be the player. Yeah, yeah, Finau. I, I think that's a guy just in all terms of fantasy this week you should you should definitely look at because no one's going to play him. The upside's there. It's a guy that can get hot. Decent course history as well. Yep. 
let's go down to the very end and we'll get out of here. I, I just want to add one name to that because I just saw you scroll past him. I do like Cameron Young for underdog contests this week. Oh, no doubt. What What about standard uh, full roster DFS? Yes, I, I, I think he's another player that he's kind of reached this mode right now where he's frustrated people for the last like six months over and over again. And hopefully at some point, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll have conversations. I would love to get Paul Tesori to come on this show and to talk about web. And yeah, you got to get him on. He followed the show. Yeah, what are we so doing? We'll, we'll work we forgot to even that. talk about that. We, yeah, we'll, we'll, t- we'll work on that during the offseason and get Tesori on because, I, I mean, to me, he is one of the 10 people in all of golf that I would want to have on. I say he's got so much history with your love of the game and just solely based on web exposure. Yeah. I mean, he's been, he's been around and then now it's, it's gone over to the Cameron young exposure every single week. So I feel like I've taken this ride with the Tesori family week in and week out with everything that's going on with it. But I, I think Cameron Young's a very intriguing play that you add his total driving, his ball striking regimen. When you add that weighted proximity here, yeah, he's going to be boom or bust, but GPP con- or uh, GPP contest or anything of this underdog nature, I-, I think there's a lot of upside to be had. I love it. All right. Last, you know our thoughts on Siwoo Kim. I think we're both in there. Guys that are going very late. Harris English right now, last guy off the board. Any thoughts on Harris English? I know Roberto at Action loved him. Um, Lee Hodges is right down there. I think we're going to be a fade there. I don't like Keith Mitchell at this course. Figala, great course history. Ball striking is a disaster. Sibu can't. I don't hate Nick Taylor. I, I don't have a massive take on him. Like my model thinks he has value. So sure, I'm sure if I put the numbers in, where he's going off the board would probably have value as one of the last players in. I kind of like Jaeger this week. I like Siwoo Kim. Like those are names that I'm going to be more aggressive on than the market, but uh, I am not necessarily as high on Harris English. Now I am intrigued that he's the very last name off the board with the course history that he's presented. I do think that that corrects itself. Uh, That's a name that I've seen very commonly mentioned throughout the space over the past 24 hours. My model, if you get past the course history nature of it, doesn't necessarily love him. I'm fading him in in uh, salary cap contests. I just think that there's going to be too much ownership around him for that's what fair. you're getting at the end of the day. And and if he pops, that's fine. But I don't know if there's anybody that is so low on the list. Like I'm trying to find some huge outlier that I have. Like maybe I don't know where Andrew Putnam's going. I think he makes sense. I know you're on him this week. I would consider Andrew Putnam as one of the last guys into my build. Um, maybe a JJ spawn, depending on exactly where he's going on it. So I'm just he's, he's second to last. Yeah. Okay. So, so you, can, you can get him for free. Yeah. So JJ spawn makes a lot of sense. Um, Vincent Norman kind of has a very similar answer, but that's about where it cuts off for me. Um, not too many names, much lower than that. All right. I like it. Um, last thing here. I don't know if I have anything else actually. Um, no, I'm good. If, if you're ready to go, I will, uh, I'll read our little, 
Availability map here for uh, underdog. You must be 18 or older to play. 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona. 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska. Present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms do apply. Consider with your play. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That is 1-800-639-8783 or text next step. To 53342 in New York, call the 24 7 Hope Line at 1 877 8 or text Hope NY. That is 467 369 in Tennessee. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1 800 889 9789. Spencer, any clothing, closing thoughts here for the FedEx St. Jude Championship? I mean, the one thing I want to say, Nick, as much as I loved having Jay on and and hearing him talk about golf and talk about this tournament and his success at this venue is about equally as much as I hated going through this underdog slate without a built-in ADP on my sheet. Like, I can't tell you how naked I felt doing that. I I didn't plan on just having you raw dog something without data. I think that was the funniest shit. I was like, you know what? Let's do a quick round one recap. And I could see it through the screen. I, I We're not doing a live show or anything in terms of like video, but you guys should have seen Spencer like deer in the headlights. Like I, I know it killed you to give a relatively uninformed pick. If you want to call it that, I know you could still pull up your model and everything like that, but Hey, sometimes you got to shoot from the hip. Welcome to degenerate lifestyle. I appreciate you doing that. I'm sure your answers are still going to be absolute nails too. So do not sweat it. I don't know. Very uncomfortable situation there. If we don't ever do that again, I will be happy. <laughs> That's fair. All right. I had to get him out of the comfort zone, but thanks to all for listening. And thank you so much to Jay Delsing again, the course record holder. I believe he's tied with two other people. Let's give them a shout out too. even though we're, we're Jay stands. So we're going to give Jay that the course record in our minds, but who else shares it with him? I'm sorry. I should know this. Course record, standby. We're doing it live. Bob Estes in 2001 and Tom Lewis in 2020. Oh, so not long ago. Damn, good for him. He's on the European tour, I believe, right now. But yeah, shout out to Jay. That was awesome. Um, we were alive, so don't feel like it was that long ago, Jay. It still happened in our lifetime, and that is badass. You shot a 61. I uh, can't imagine what you would shoot right now if, you know, in your. Eh. Fuck it. I'll cut that part. He's going to start talking about his prime. Don't do that. But yeah, awesome. Thanks again to everybody. Thank you guys for the support and uh, keep an eye out for the links. We will certainly do a FedEx Cup playoff full best ball and then potentially a round one showdown or maybe maybe a Sunday showdown. Spencer, what are you feeling? Like a final round one? See if anybody can go low. Yeah, let's do that. I think that'd be a lot of fun to switch up when we have the contest because we always have it during round one and there is maybe more value to be found once this tournament actually starts with it. So let's plan on doing it for the final round there. And as you said, Nick, thank you for Jay for coming on. It's always a pleasure talking to him. You can find Nick on Twitter at sticks picks. I am at T off sports. If you have any questions about the week from any perspective, please feel free to reach out to us at one of those handles. As I said in the beginning, use BGP to get your hundred dollar match bonus and enter a pool against us to compete for real cash. Each tournament will have an added bonus to the prize pool, meaning that it should translate into being one of the better ROI spots on the board. 
don't miss out on the fun. And we look forward to seeing you guys in our draft this week.